Welcome to God Yay or Nay. I'm your host, Noor Kidwai. I'm here to find out how we grow, transform, and become our best selves. How we create meaning in our lives. Come join me on my journey. Welcome to another episode of God Yay or Nay. This is your host, Noor Kidwai. Thanks for tuning in. My guest this week is Edward Sturm. Edward is a self-improvement junkie. He also has a project called The Commit Club where he helps people commit to new habits and goals. Uh, it's a great episode, especially if you're into self-improvement. Guys, check me out on Instagram at NoorKidWai. Like and subscribe to the podcast. Give it a good rating. That always helps. And we're part of the Comedy Here Often podcast network on 604 Records, so check them out too. Let's get into this week's episode, everybody. My guest this week, Edward Sturm. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of God Yay or Nay. Today I'm here with my man Edward Strom. Edward, thanks for joining me, man. Thank you for thank you for having me on. No nah, man. I'm, I'm hyped. I'm hyped to be on the show. Ha ha ha. It's gonna be a good one, buddy. Um I'm yeah, I, I, I think you have such a like a unique story, so I'm like really uh excited to kind of hear more about it and let my audience hear about it. Uh I, I like I know a few of the stuff like you call yourself like a self-improvement junkie you have this new project called the commit club which uh really like uh helps people like bring in new habits and stuff into their lives which I really love um and like you just have a unique story uh I don't know maybe you should like introduce yourself to my audience tell us a little bit about your story and then we can kind of branch off into some conversation I love to. Uh, hi, hi, audience. Um, yeah, my name is Edward Sturm. Um, when I graduated from college, I was making viral videos. I had hundreds of millions of views on my videos. I've been on 2020, Good Morning America, The Today Show, like the most famous, biggest talk shows in the United States and international news shows. Um, during that time, I was working in New York City nightclubs. I did that for three years. That was like... When you work at nightclubs, you see the best and the worst of human behavior at the same time, because it's like every night I was always sober, but, um, you know, all the patrons were completely messed up and, and, and unfiltered. And so every night you just really see like the worst and the best that our species has to offer. Uh, so I did that for three years. I got into search engine optimization after that. Um, and I did SEO for ADP, Procter & Gamble, Microsoft, Time Inc. I'm probably one of the best search engine optimizers in the world. Um, I, I, yeah, I think I am. And uh, then I got into blockchain. I made the first play to earn game in crypto, like the first video game in crypto and ran the biggest blockchain meetup in the world. And then I started traveling. I'm recording this from Rome. So hello from, from Rome. I've, been, I've lived in over like 30 countries or something, like, do, like dozens and dozens of cities. I was in Bucharest, Romania for two months before this. And um, that's the one minute, I don't know, two minute version of my story. Thanks for listening. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah, it's like an interesting story, an interesting background too. Um, where do you think? Uh, like, I like how you started like working at nightclubs and stuff. Like you saying you're like you see like human behavior. 
like how do you think that influenced like your life like moving forward well dude it was so the reason i did it was because when i was um when i was in high school i wasn't like exactly the most like popular kid and i you know i was bullied and i didn't really know how to relate to my peers i was kind of like a weird a weird kid i've always liked doing my own thing and I wouldn't say that I was completely a loner because I wanted to have friends. I just didn't really, I couldn't find people that I could really relate to. And I didn't know how to be myself. When I went to college, I went to a college of like theater kids and filmmakers. And so like, we were all weird together and it was, and it was great. I had like a lot more serious friends then, but I still was not, I wouldn't say like one of the cool kids and I still had trouble relating to people. When I graduated from college, I was just like, I was back home in New York because I went to school in Boston. And I was just like, I feel like I can be so much better than this. And I feel like I can have really cool friends and and I can date really cool people and I can go to the coolest places and I can work on myself and, and like actually know how to talk to awesome people and be an awesome person myself. But it might require practice. And I'm like, how can I... How like I was making these viral videos and that was cool, but like it doesn't get you the same type of like it doesn't get you these meaningful social interactions when you're going even going on TV shows. It sounds glamorous and stuff and making viral videos. It sounds glamorous, but I wanted meaningful social interactions and I and I felt like I had to learn and I'm like, okay, how can I learn? And working in clubs was a really good way to do that i had another friend his name's gary and he did that too and uh and and yeah and so that's that's kind of what happened and and how did it shape me it made me cool <laughs> I, I'm, I'm charismatic now because of that and i really wasn't charismatic be, before that i wasn't super charismatic at all before that and now i'm charismatic and a patient and i'm a good listener podcasts are all about talking so i'm a great talker too but nice. uh, yeah but uh no, I mean, I think it, it like I have incredible friends in my life, incredible people that I surround myself with every day, all the time. And I, I wouldn't have been able to handle those friends or get those friends if it wasn't for my time, like learning, I guess, how to relate to people. Mm -hmm. That That's amazing. And I love that. Like, it takes a lot of courage. Eh? You can't just freaking... Like, I know what you're saying. You felt like lonely. You didn't know how to talk to people. You didn't know how to connect with people properly. And then you put yourself in the environment where you've got to do that. You have no choice but to do that. And you end up like learning those skills. Like, I think that takes a ton of courage. I'm impressed with that. Oh, man. oh man. Yo, there was so much anxiety. Like, oh my God. Like, I was so nervous. I want to talk to this person. And then I would, I would walk around for like, like I'd be at some club and I just walk around for like hours getting the courage to like talk to that, talking to that, to that person, you know, then like after several years, I got a lot better and it didn't take, it didn't take hours. And honestly, my friend might introduce me to whoever it was, but um, yeah, I mean, dude, I was, I was scared. I was really scared. There was, there was really a lot of social anxiety in it and I definitely got better at that. Mm. and managing that and dealing with it i would say i'm not perfect i think i still have even even now i still have social anxiety but it's not it's not much mm -hmm. and what were these viral videos that you're working on that went like so like pretty much everywhere 
we were doing uh, really big stunts around New York City. So um, we did a bunch of them. But like we did, for example, when the Harlem Shake was going viral, mm -hmm. we did that and we did New York City's Harlem Shake. And we gathered 300 people from Reddit, 300 strangers from Reddit. I had to direct all of them. They didn't know me. I didn't know them. I was the producer and director. I was co-producer and I was the director. And my, my other co-producer friend was, he was cameraman. And I had to direct this huge mob in Times Square for us all to do the Harlem Shake. 300 people um that was that was one of them we also we took a friend of mine and he my my friend brett i was always like brett you're like the type of person who seems like he's famous but you're not famous and i'm, and I'm like and hey, you're just like a normal he's a normal guy and i'm like what if we just like surrounded you with fake paparazzi and walk you through times square like what do you think would happen and he's like and then like five minutes later he, he's on Craigslist and he gets fake bodyguards from he got real bodyguards to the actors and we ended up surrounding him everyone worked for free because they thought it was like a fun idea so yeah. we had fake paparazzi a fake assistant a fake publicist two two bodyguards and and then my my uh my friends from film school filming and we walked him through times square the video is called fake celebrity pranks nyc we started at the rockefeller center and we walked him through times square we stopped traffic yeah, and, and there were there were these enormous crowds. Everyone thought that my friend was was in like the new Spider-Man. We don't know where that rumor started. And people would be like, who is that guy? And then you you hear he's in the new Spider-Man. The video, I think I said it's called Fake Celebrity Pranks NYC. And it's hilarious. And uh there were some amazing things that didn't make it in. Like at the time, there was a fake Snoop Snoop Dogg running around Times Square and we thought he was the real Snoop Dogg and he thought that we were like a famous guy. So we go up to him and he has a crew with him and we have our fake, oh, we have our crew and like this huge crowd following us, enormous crowd following everywhere that we go. Like we went into a Dwayne Reed, like my friend just wanted to see what happened if we went into Dwayne Reed. People followed us in and tried to take pictures. And, and then we go up to Snoop Dogg, this fake Snoop Dogg, thinking he's real Snoop Dogg. And and he thinks, and fake Snoop Dogg thinks my friend is like a famous guy. And God, the amount of people surrounding us. Huh. But um, yeah, I mean, like literally everyone, the workers in Times Square, the tourists in Times Square, just they all thought that they were meeting this like A-list, like a Tom Cruise type figure. And they're, it's hilarious in the video. And that one went just incredibly viral. Like um, that was the one where we went on like most of the TV shows for and, oh, okay. uh, yeah, yeah, it was it was fun times. So these were kind of like what you were talking about. Your like social experiments in Times Square, just kind of like trying different things out and seeing how people react. Yeah, we were just curious what would happen. We what we didn't want to do it. Like we weren't even seeking fame or anything, or to like make money off YouTube because this was literally 2012. Like mm -hmm. we were doing these videos in the early days of YouTube. We were really dumb. We didn't even realize we could monetize these videos with all of our views. Like. We did things so wrong and uh, we just wanted to have fun. We were kids. We were just these kids and we wanted to make videos that were really fun for us, which side note, like I think if you want to actually like make money on YouTube and if you want to have a real audience, you got to have fun building your audience. Like, and uh, that's why I think they were so successful because we're just like, what would happen if we tried this? How heck yeah, let's do it. Yeah, you just think like, because you guys were so genuine, that's why it was like so like fun for you guys. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And no, that's awesome. Um, hey, right, like I kind of want to talk a little bit about like your self improvement, cause like I guess like when you said you moved into the like nightclub life, that was kind of like one step into the self improvement. You found some skills that you really wanted to get into yourself, and you put yourself into that environment. Like after that, like where did you, where did the self improvement kind of come part of like your life? Was it always like something you were cur- curious in? um yeah you know i realized why i'm I'm sorry i realized that it's my neighbors who i share a wall with they were they were they must have been hitting the wall because i was screaming oh uh, shit yeah so i'm gonna keep i'm gonna keep my i'm gonna keep my voice down um is that okay for, if, yeah. if i talk like this is it okay for your listeners that's fine that's fine okay i hope it's not like super uh, yeah I hope it's not like um, super bad that that I'm like doing all these cuts in the podcast. Oh no, like, that's... really? I, I I within like the perfect setup at my last Airbnb, and this one was unexpected. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. But um, okay, I'm sorry. Could you re Could you re ask that question? I was saying. Um... So, uh, yeah, I want to kind of talk a little bit about the self-improvement part of your life because I, uh, yeah, I love that. And I think that's like my podcast. We talk about like kind of self-transformation a lot. And I I know when you move to the nightclub, that's probably like one step into that direction of putting yourself in the environment to improve. But I was wondering, like, when did this like whole idea of like just self-improvement all the time kind of get into your life? And was this something you were always curious about? That's a that's a great question. It actually happened when I was in college um, because uh, my best friend in college was really into bodybuilding. He wanted to compete and he didn't end up competing, but he was, I'm a pretty skinny, skinny guy. And he was really, he had like, uh, he was what's called an ectomorph, which means he has a super fast metabolism. So there's an endomorph who has a slow metabolism metabolism and it's very easy for them to be overweight mm-hmm. there's a mesomorph which is just people who are in the middle they're fast they're in the middle of fast metabolism and slow metabolism and i have an ectomorph very fast metabolism i burn through food like that and um i could never really get like big or fit and when i was in high school i thought it was the coolest thing to have a six-pack and to to have muscles and so i i, I saw this guy and he's an ectomorph like me and he was huge and we were friends and I'm like, if he can do it, I can do it. And my first foray into self-improvement was actually with weightlifting. And I would go to the gym. I'm like, first it was very light and I would go for like 30, I would go for like 15 minutes, 30 minutes. And and then I'm like, I can can be big. Like I can be whoever I want. I can be a, a bodybuilder and this huge guy. And I was working out for like 90 minutes, four days a week and, and eating a ton of calories. And I saw, I, I held, I held this, this figure in my mind of who I could become. And I was working to get there. Mm. And yeah. And, um, and when I graduated college, that went over actually, no, then at the end of college was when I tried meditation for the first time. And uh, I heard of, have, have, do you meditate? Yeah, I love meditation all the time. How often do you meditate? Uh, pretty much every day. Um, yeah, pretty much every day. I wouldn't say it's uh, like 100% every day, but like I would say most of the time, like six times a week. 
Six times a week, yeah, yeah. And and you've been meditating for years? Yeah, probably like uh, 15 years. Oh, cool. That's almost the same time as me. So this was, I guess, um, 12 years ago for me. Mm. And uh, I've been reading about the benefits of meditation online because I was on all these bodybuilding and health forums. And one of the things that's talked about on these health forums was mental health. Mm. And you would read that if you do meditation, it bleeds over into the rest of your life. And there are all these incredible benefits that you get in the rest of your life. And so I said, okay, I'm going to try meditation. And I, and I said, I'm going to just stare at this candle for five minutes. I'm going to sit quietly, <clears throat> not look at my phone, and just stare at this candle for five minutes. And I started the timer. And then I'm like, something's wrong because the timer should have gone off already. It's probably been like 15 minutes or like 20 minutes and it hasn't gone off and my phone must be broken. I know I shouldn't check my phone, but like my phone definitely has to be broken. Should I check my phone? I said I wasn't going to check my phone. Okay, I'm going to check my phone. My phone's not working because it's been like 25 minutes. At this point. And I checked my phone and it had been three minutes and I'm like, and I'm like, there's not something wrong with my phone. There's something wrong with me. <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm like, I really need to do this more often because I need to fix this. And uh, and and so now I've been meditating pretty much every day for the last twelve years. Um, I did a twenty minute breathing exercise this afternoon here in Rome, and uh, I need it. I I'm I'm so active in my life that. Uh, it helps me center myself. And mm -hmm. it, it also like, I, I have natural anxiety and everyone has natural anxiety and it helps me manage that anxiety as well. Um, and so I, when I graduated college, I came out of college with, I was working out and I was meditating. And um, that's kind of why I thought myself, I could teach myself also to like how to be social because I'm like, well, if I could get better at meditation and I could, improve my physique like what else can i do mm. and that's always been my mentality since since college it's like what could i do like what could i learn and then what opportunities could that give me and i think it's really exciting when you view life through that lens of how can you how can you like you're in a bad place now but what could you work on day in and day out baby step it small chunk it take it really easy and then what opportunities could that give you? Mm. And uh, I think it's, uh, yeah, that's, that's my, that's my mindset. So like, if I'm going through something bad for you, what could I do each day to fix this? Mm. And uh, yeah, that's why I love self-development because, because you can work on yourself and in six months to a year, have a whole new set of incredible opportunities that you didn't once have. That's uh yeah, that's beautiful. And when you put it that way, it's like it really makes it very enticing because it's true. And like in six months, you'd like if you do something every single day, you have no idea where what that in six months where that'll lead. It's such a beautiful concept. And you uh know, you know what I heard recently, which really inspired me? People dramatically overestimate what they can do in a week and they dramatically underestimate what they can do in a year or mm -hmm. two years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's like such a good point. And like, uh, 
even like how you were saying, talking about chunking, like small chunking, like, can you explain that to my audience? Because that's just such a perfect way to like, uh, look at these things. Yeah. You know, I, I, I just listened to, um, Will Smith's autobiography on audible. It's like incredibly professionally produced. And at the beginning of the book, he talks about this experience that he had with his father and his father wanted him to build this wall, wanted him and his brother to build this wall out of bricks. And it was a huge undertaking. The wall had to be so big. And, and Will Smith is a boy. He looked at this wall and he's like, Daddy, like, we can't do this. This is going to take like way too long. This will take, this will take like, like years. And his father's like, you're going to do this. And after school, every day they showed up and they laid a few bricks down. They just laid a few bricks down each day. And after, and after a year, the wall, which he didn't think that he could build, it was built. And they, they, they took it and it was one brick at a time. And small chunking means to break things down into its smallest components or, or close to its smallest components, something that's really manageable because a lot of people, they set these unattainable goals for themselves. And that kind of it becomes daunting and they try to do everything at once and then they get burnt out and they get tired and they give up. And the idea with small chunking is you make things easy enough that you can improve 0.5% each day, 1% each day, but you don't get burnt out. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's what small chunking is because the act of doing it every day is far more important than cramming everything into a week. Yeah. I love that. And like anytime you want to add like some sort of like self-improvement habit to your life, even just doing it every day is more important than like doing like one big one in a week or something like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Like even meditation. Really like, oh yeah. No, I was going to say even meditation. That was one thing I knew. Like some days, like your mind's so racing so much that you can't even uh, like sit down and meditate. But I'm just like, Hey, if you just sit down and just do five minutes, that's going to be way more beneficial than quitting and being like, oh, tomorrow I'll just do extra or something. Yo, absolutely. Those five minutes can make a huge difference too because you don't you don't realize it, but in five minutes sitting quietly, you can feel different than you did at the beginning. Oh, yeah. And, I love five-minute meditation sessions. Like when I can get them in, I get them in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what were you going to say? I think I just uh, cut you off. Uh, I, don't, I don't remember. Yeah, all right, no worries. But um, no, I love that uh, kind of small chunk. And is this what, like, because you changed, like, direction in your life a few times. When you came up with a new, like, goal, well, did it come like that to you? Like, where you're like, ooh, I want to try this. Like, I want to do C, C uh, like, search engine optimization. Or if I want to do uh, this new commit club, like, did they come to you and this was a goal that you worked towards? Or did that just kind of, like, slowly unfold? I think SEO is the greatest example. Search engine optimization is the greatest, greatest example because when I got, so, you know, I, I made these viral videos and I didn't really realize how I could make a living off of them. I didn't know anything about business. I was very uneducated with business um, when I was doing these videos. I was just like this dumb kid making these fun videos and working in nightclubs. Like I was pretty dumb. Uh, and... <laughs> Um, and so I didn't have a huge technological background, but a lot of my friends did. 
And a lot of my friends uh, started getting into startups and technology, and they also had a background in, in math and tech. And I wanted to do that too, because that's what my friends were doing. And I, and like, this was in the, this was in like 2015 and startups were starting to get really big. And I just thought there was a lot more opportunity in startups and technology than there was in nightlife or me making videos. Mm. And um, I didn't really know anything about technology. I didn't know how to create a website. I didn't know how to make a blog. And uh, I, I settled on the idea of, so search engine optimization came about because I, my friend showed me how to make a blog on Tumblr. And then I did that and it wasn't ranking on Google. And I started becoming obsessed trying to figure out how to make it show up on Google. Um, and the more I read about it, the more like SEO seemed like this like magic science, like it's not even science, it just seemed like magic, like the magicians of the internet could do like SEO. <laughs> and like, and if you could understand SEO, you understand how the internet works and you understand how technology works. And I wanted to get good at SEO. And I approached that the same way I approached everything else in my life before. And I said, okay, I'm just going to read a, a bit about SEO each day and try new things each day. And I did that for, for several years. I did that for like, no, I did that for like a year. Then I was able to get a job at one of the top SEO firms in the world and oh, had wow. like these Fortune 100 clients. I was a very low level and I had like these Fortune 100 clients and I learned so fast when I was there. I learned way faster. And then because of the type of person that I am, after like a couple of months there, I ended up being better than like everyone else because I'm, I'm an obsessive. So I was there and I'm, and I'm like, okay, like now I'm here and I'm making money for this and I want to be like, they're paying me. So I want to be the best. I want to be great. And like every, even my spare time, I would read more about SEO. I would read SEO experiments and I would work on my abilities with that. And uh, then after that, I started my own agency and it was going pretty well. And then some friends approached me to get into blockchain. And I said, oh, I have this, I have this agency and I was running that New York City search engine optimization meetup at the time at my meetup. And then I, I did my own research and I saw there was a lot of opportunity in blockchain. And I approached that the same way too. I was really intimidated by the space. And um, I had some friends in it who were successful and that, that helped me, of course, but I still needed to understand. And so I said, okay, I'm going to read like half of a white paper each day, or I'm going to read a, these online articles each day, but every day I'm going to show up and, uh, and I'm going to make an effort to understand it. And that gave me all these new opportunities that I didn't once have. And, um, you know, a, a practice of mine now is that I read tech and business newsletters pretty much every day. And because I want to be on top of this stuff, because I know the power of like opening my mind up to these ideas. I and love that. So, yeah. 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 Yeah, dude, that's awesome. And I think one thing I like really respect, it's like, for you, whatever you're curious about, like you would actually go into that and just apply your kind of principles to it. So like when you went to the SEO uh, kind of thing, when you're like, I'm curious about this, then you applied your principles. I'm going to check out stuff every day and slowly learn about that. I love it. And that's something I think the, my audience can really understand. It's like when you're curious about something, that's 
like telling you something about like what you're naturally going towards and then apply those principles of just about showing up every day, even if it's just a little bit and watch what happens over time. That's what I tell all of my friends because my problem with my problem with like the world and with other people, a lot of other people is people think they can't do it. Like they, they, they just think they, they don't understand how small effort over time compounds. And if someone takes on one challenge and shows up every day for six months and they see what they can do and they actually understand, oh my God, like I was able to do this. Now what can I do? Then like they realize their mind opens up and they realize that anything is really possible. Mm -hmm. And it, it's like, you feel sad. You don't have to like, you can work on yourself for six months straight and you don't have to, you don't have to be sad. Like you, you feel you you have no opportunities or no career opportunities. Again, you can pick a niche, read about it for like an hour every day. Like, let me tell you, if, if you're just some random person and you don't know anything about how the internet works, you say you want to do SEO or you want to do PPC, pay-per-click. You read about that for an hour or 30 minutes each day in six months, like you're going to know a lot. You're going to know who the players are. You're going to know how to network. You're going to know what to put in your LinkedIn if you want to make it. And, and so anyone can accomplish pretty much anything. And a lot of people don't know that they can. Yeah. And uh, no, I love that. I really do. Uh, let's talk about your new project and Commit Club because it uh, seems like this it has like something to do with your self improvement, uh, loving as well. So, uh, can you tell us about that? Commit Club is all about daily challenges. Um, we so we started because actually, if you track your mood every day, if you do daily mood tracking, it's proven that your your baseline level of happiness will increase. So literally, if you write how you're feeling, like, let's say you have an alarm that goes off at, at uh, let's say, 5 p.m. every day. Okay. Your alarm goes off 5 p.m. every day, and you just write how you're feeling. If you do that for a month, month straight, your baseline happiness will go up. Maybe not a lot in just a month, but if you do that for six months straight, it'll be more dramatic. It's the same with gratitude journaling. If you write three things you're grateful for each day, you'll become dramatically happier. Your mm -hmm. mind will start looking automatically for things to be happy for. Oh, and yeah, and um, the you know the way that I got oh so so the mood tracking yeah so we we were going to start and make a mood tracking app and then we're like okay but how do we incentivize people to actually like check in every day. And my co-founder came up with this like novel mechanism where you pledge money on your ability to follow through every day. And every day that you get that every day that you do it, you get a portion of your money back. And if you don't do it, then you lose whatever you haven't earned back. And we're like, what should we do with that money? And we made that money go to the people who are actually following through. So every day that you do what you say you're gonna do on Commit Club. And we use the honor system. We're not, you know, we're not super hard about it. But and we're putting in accountability partners, so like people will and apps will keep you accountable. But um, every day they can do what you say you're going to do, and that can be a small chunk thing. Do this for five minutes each day. You get your own money back, and then you get the money from the unfortunate souls who didn't do their challenges. <laughs> and, uh, that we could we also were making it so that money goes to charities as well, you know, but. 
Um, we think I like loss aversion is a proven human bias and it's something that motivates a lot of people. And um, it's something that can motivate you or your friends to actually work on yourself every day. And even for me, I have challenges going on Commit Club too, because we just want to show people what's like daily effort compounds. It's tremendous what can be accomplished. And we want to show people that. Oh, I love that. And uh, what's some of the Commit Club stuff that you've done? Some of the little challenges? So I was living in Ukraine at the beginning of this year. I, I lived in Ukraine for two years. So I left 10 days before the war started. That's a crazy story. I can talk about that anytime. But um, I was in Ukraine and I was doing cold showers and cold baths in the Ukrainian winter. And yeah. it's, it's, it's freaking cold. Uh, I was doing cold baths specifically because cold showers are hard. They're really hard. Cold baths are even harder. I don't know if you've ever, have you ever tried uh, cold exposure, like serious cold exposure? I've done a lot of cold showers. I've only done once where I jumped in the glacier lake and that, oh. that's hard as hell. That is it so is. hard. Your whole, your whole body tells you, you start having like a panic attack. Yeah. And your body is like, what are you doing to me? Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> and that's one of the craziest feelings. And so um my my first real cold bath because i was doing cold baths in summer but the water is not that cold and it's more refreshing when you do a cold bath in winter it's very unique and so um it was like it was like january 10th or something this year and i was living in my apartment in kia and i tried doing a cold bath and for like i think i set like two minutes on my timer and it was similar to the meditation story after after like 40 seconds, I was having a panic attack and my body was screaming at me to get out. And I got out, I got out and I'm like, okay, let me see what I can get up to if I do this every day. And so I, I committed to a daily challenge to do cold baths every day in the Ukrainian winter. And I got up to three minutes just sitting in that, sitting in that ice bathtub. And, um, and it's really, like, it's supposed to be really good for you. It's such a weird thing. Like, it's one of the weirdest sensations I've ever experienced. Like I've done some crazy things. I've I've experienced crazy things, but sitting in like the cold bath for three minutes is like I, I, anyone who's done it knows it's just insane. Yeah, it is crazy. What do you do? You think it's like had a positive impact on you? Yeah, oh, absolutely. What it does is it teaches you. Um, it teaches so the only way to make it through a cold shower or a cold bath is to surrender. Yeah. Um, you got to really surrender your muscles and your body and release the tension in your body. Mm. And it's similar to doing breathing exercises where you have to hold your breath. Yeah. I also do like it's called Wim Hof method where he advocates cold exposure and uh, this special breathing exercise. And the only way to make it through like a three minute breath hold is to relax the tension in your body yeah. and to ease the tension in your body. And it's the same with, they, they both play into each other. I'm able to withstand the, the cold exposure because I do this breathing exercise and I'm able to do the breathing exercise because I do the cold exposure. And when I feel myself really tense, I can, I can literally go into like my brainstem where the tension is and actually just be like relax these muscles and feel a little bit better mm. and uh and you can get into that relaxed state a lot more quickly by doing this i love that uh yeah that's sick um no that's really cool i hope people uh, check out that Quebec club that uh sounds like a 
just a perfect thing to get new uh new little habits into your life everything single habit that i talked about like you can commit to it on commit club and you can also have friends monitor your progress you can share your challenge so like friends you, you don't have to commit with money you can have your friends keep you accountable you can share your challenge your friends can check in with you every day oh like you have like three hours left to do your challenge like make sure you do it like and like oh i see you wrote in your journal that you did this that's amazing like and uh, we just we want people doing positive habits every day and sticking with a single one for like at least 30 days. So like 30 day challenges is what we're like really, really positive about because 30 days is the amount of time that it takes for you to build a new habit. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we like I, I've said this a million times and I'll say it a million and one. And it's the the power of of daily compounding is uh, it's it's you don't you don't understand it until you've done it and uh, it's cool it's cool what's possible yeah oh that's amazing i now i have to ask you about uh leaving the ukraine right before the war that uh yeah. <laughs> that, that's a little too interesting to leave out um sure. yeah how yeah, yeah. yeah how was that yeah so you know i've been traveling for four years um and uh, I've lived all over Europe and Eastern Europe mostly. And um, I, w- I went to Ukraine in the first place. A friend had lived there for a while. He said it was nice in Kiev. He lived in Kiev. And I went there. I didn't really, I, I had spent, you know, Americans can spend 90 days out of 100 days in the EU before they have to leave. It's called the Schengen area. Um, and I spent my 90 days and then I had, I had to leave. I had to go out of the Schengen area. And so I didn't know where I was going to go. I could have gone to Romania. I could have gone to the Balkans, um, and, uh, could have gone to South America or Asia, but my friend had been to Ukraine and it was close to Poland where I was at the time. And so I went there. I didn't expect anything. And I went to Kiev and I found, I thought I would stay for a month my first time there. And I found that it was like a world-class city here. Um, the people are amazing and the food is amazing and the buildings are amazing. The architecture is amazing. The infrastructure is great. And the city is huge. It's a city, the city of 4 million people. And I made all these friends and I stayed for the maximum amount of time, which was three months. And then I had to leave and I went to Belarus and then I went to, I went back to Poland and then I'm like, okay, I'm gonna round out the year being gone from the United States, I'll go back to Ukraine where I have my friends and then I'll go and then I'll go home. And so I was in Ukraine for another like two, three months and I had a flight home set to be gone for one year. I literally had a flight home one year on the same date that I left and then COVID happened. Oh, nice. Yo, my flight was canceled and I ended up, uh, I, I decided like, should I go back to New York? for lockdowns or should I be in, in Kiev and my apartment with his friends and I don't want to have to get on an emergency flight. I'll choose Kiev. I'll stay in Kiev. And I stayed in Kiev. Lockdowns took years to go away. COVID it hadn't it had fully gone away, but it's, it took years for like a lot of the restrictions just for things to go like somewhat back to normal. And um, then uh, then I so that I was there for years with friends. I had friends from the U.S. come and friends from New York come, and uh, and 
it was great. And then we left for a few months and I returned and then the war with things were getting really hot. The war hadn't started. And I was really in denial that there was going to be a war. A lot of my friends and family were worried about me. And um, I told them there wasn't going to be a war. And then uh, we had a trigger point on when we would leave. We we decided we would leave when the European diplomats got pulled out. So first, the American diplomats' families got pulled out. Oh, wow. Then the American diplomats got pulled out. Then the European diplomats' families got pulled out. And then the European diplomats themselves got pulled out. And then we left. And leaving was crazy because we got plane tickets to Estonia for three days into the future. We both, me and my friend, we both had six-month leases in Kiev. And we had planned for like six months of stability. I was, you know, I was going to be working on Commit Club nonstop. My co-founders were there. And um, so we got the plane tickets for three months, for three days into the future. And then all flights to and from Ukraine start getting canceled because insurance doesn't want to back them. And we're like, oh my God, like our flight, there might not even be flights out tomorrow. So we got a flight for seven hours into the future. We had to go to the only place that wouldn't require a PCR test because we didn't have the day. We didn't like PCR test takes a day. So we didn't have a day. Like we had to leave then. And the only place we could go was Munich where there was a flight. And so we get these flights in Munich at 4 a.m. The same, like literally like we, we had to lose the money on the previous flight three days in the future. We didn't have like, and, and that, that flight was gone. So we go. So we pack up our six month lease apartments in two hours, show up at the airport at 2 a.m. Two hours later, we're, we're on a flight out. And the airport that we flew out of 10 days later was hit by a missile. And Jesus. Yeah. And so we go to we go to Munich. Um, things are calm. Um, then we went to Estonia. We went to Tallinn in Estonia. Sitting there working on Commit Club, my co-founder was still in Kiev, and uh, nine days after I got to Tallinn, the war started, and it was it was a horrible day. And uh, I, I I got lucky that I had left before my co-founder wasn't as lucky, and he he narrowly made it out of Kiev, and he had to stay in a village outside of Kiev for a few weeks until he had an opportunity to get out of the country because he's not he wasn't Ukrainian this one particular co-founder the other one had left before the war started and um and uh yeah I mean it's just what's happening right now in this part of the world is really it's like if you follow the news absolutely insane and uh I can't reach the times that we're living in and I really just I'd like I'm like damn People need some more people. People like how would the world be different if everyone meditated? Seriously, <laughs> like, like, not to be out because I don't want to be. I don't. This isn't a news podcast, and I don't want to be a, too much of a downer. So I, I just think like, how would the world be different if everyone was meditating? You know, if everyone was was doing was doing stretching or daily gratitude journaling or journaling of any sort, uh, practicing compassion each day. Like, how would the world be different? And because um, I think we're all, I think like I, I think we're all basically one. Uh, like I, I like what's written in like the Bhagavad Gita, for example, and 
And I think it's all just like a oneness. And uh, yeah. No, that's a, that's a, that's a key story. <laughs> that's uh yeah yeah man crazy went through that and uh, i i get what you're saying <laughs> i wish the world would meditate as well because like just seeing a war like this just kind of sucks and uh any war honestly um uh, well it's, it's it's just it's like uh where are you based if you don't mind me asking in uh toronto okay oh that's cool uh actually a few of my friends from kia they're now living in toronto they left after the war oh, okay. and um um yeah yeah so what it's just weird how much it's affecting like it's affecting central europe a lot heating prices are are crazy and like for example a friend of a friend who's in belgium he was paying a hundred dollars a month for his heating bill before before the war yeah now he's paying 800 euros a month for his what heating yeah an 8x increase. And um, in Poland, there's already been, I think, a um, 5x increase. And it'll probably only go up. Um, in fact, it's being predicted that a lot of major cities won't be able to heat themselves in the winter. And uh, I was going to stay in Europe in the winter, and now I probably will not. Um, so, like, what we're seeing happening is, like, I mean, just imagine, like, top places in Europe, top cities in Germany and France and Italy. Most people imagine like people not being able to heat themselves or using space heaters and putting in immense, immense pressure on the grids. They're about to shut off two nuclear power plants in Germany. And um, I just, there's a lot of uncertainty. And uh, since I've been traveling for the last four years, like it was, relatively calm and um now it's like it's crazy like, it's really crazy yeah that's uh damn it that's uh that's really rough i really uh feel for those guys like a 8x increase on energy or five is even just like unbelievable i don't know how people would be able to survive that yeah uh i mean i don't either and that's why i'm very nervous about what's going to happen in the coming days in the coming weeks and yeah well honestly it brings a new meaning to that winter's coming meme kind of thing like oh, that's man. just yeah it really does yeah i mean we'll probably see it popping up a lot on social media mm. anyways man uh thanks for sharing your story i really enjoyed this uh i got one more question for you edward and that's the name of the podcast so edward god yay or nay God dear your name. So uh, yeah, I'm in Rome, and um, last last night I explored the city from one to three a.m. and I was I had the Colosseum to myself, and I had uh, the Pantheon to myself, and I was almost alone in the Vatican, Vatican City. And I'm not really a religious person. I'm a spiritual person. I you know I believe like we're all the same for consciousness, but there was something special about about being here and um i like i wanted to cry like it was it was really meaningful and a really deep and incredible experience seeing i felt really small seeing these these objects from 2000 years ago mm. and um i was really really small like i could feel 
generation after generation and millennia upon millennia compounding to this moment. And um, my answer to your God, yay or nay, the concrete answer is, it's a, it's a, I guess a yay, but I think every religion is right in its own way. And, or I think every religion is right in the same way. And I think they're all, every religion is saying basically similar things. They're all preaching a lot of similar things. There are definitely elements to that. Each religion is different, of course. But I think the underlying message is, is very similar. My belief is kind of, it's like consciousness is a piece of paper and we're, no, no, there's, no, 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 there's a piece of paper and there's a light. And I guess the light is shining onto that piece of paper. And you poke all these holes in the piece of paper for the light to shine through, and, and we are each one of those holes. And consciousness, I guess, would be the light. The piece of paper is the is is earth, which is the portal for us to to make consciousness tangible. And um, I, yeah, it's an abstract. It's an abstract yet. Yeah. If you if you're curious on this, actually, it's a six minute video. It's one. It's one of the coolest videos on YouTube is animated. Um, it's by this very famous YouTube channel called Perskazat. And it's a story by Andy Weir. Andy Weir is the author who wrote The Martian. Mm -hmm. The video is called The Egg. So you can just search like The Egg, Andy Weir on, uh, on YouTube. Six minute video, narrated, beautifully done, um, and beautifully animated and narrated by a, an amazingly entertaining author, Andy Weir. And that video is about we are all one consciousness throughout time. And that's my belief, what you see in that video. Yeah, and I've uh, I saw that video a few it's years amazing. ago. Yeah, it's amazing. I love it. <laughs> I'm perfect. I know exactly what you're saying. And uh, honestly, I'm pretty much on the same page as that. <laughs> all right. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Thanks for everyone for listening. And really uh, crazy podcast. Yeah, dude. And tell me, uh, tell my audience just where they can get a hold of this commit club because I hope some people go and try it out. That'd be great. Um, just go to commitclub.co and click the button in the middle of the screen and you can start a challenge. Sweet. And, uh, I hope you'll give it a try. I'm on Twitter. I'm Edward underscore Sturm, S T U R M. Um, and, uh, yeah, I hope you try Commit Club and hope that you that you do something. You you find a goal and you do something every day at a at a pace that's that's tangible and attainable to you. And in six months you'll find the most incredible things are possible. Oh yeah, man. Uh thanks so much. I'll toss that in the podcast uh description for everybody. And uh yeah, Edward, thanks so much for doing this, buddy. Thank you for having me. All right, that was another episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. Please like and subscribe to the podcast. Give it a good rating. That always helps. And share it with like-minded people. I really do appreciate that. You can check me out at NewerKidY on Instagram or check out my website, NewerKidY.com. You can see my comedy. You can see my comedy dates that are coming up and all that other information. We're part of the comedy here often, Podcast Network on 604 Records. But I'll see you next time on another episode of God Yay or Nay.